Hello, this is Ken Ferry with this week's Boots in the Field report. With this week's little giddy up in the weather, it's caused quite a flurry in activity. Our soil testing crews are out pulling samples, soybeans are being harvested in some areas, a number of reports of guys being able to do tillage, even some strip till. Fall burndowns going on as well. Some of the guys said they're running the 11 p.m. to 10 a.m. shift on the chisel plow until the surface thawed out and then they switch to the winter burn down and run that a while take a nap start it all over again so i know this is a tough way to do it but it might be our best option so watch for these weather swings take advantage of them when you can and maybe we can finish up that tillage we didn't get done and definitely this harvest that needs to be finished up this week i'd like to address a question that has come up a number of times this fall as well, it was a big area of concern with the guys at our basic meeting this winter. We spent quite a bit of time uh, discussing this. And that is the question of using removal rates for a fertility program instead of a soil test. The thinking, if I use removal rates, the soil test numbers should stay constant. More and more land leases have that stipulation that fertilizer applications must be at least removal rates. In this case, landlords and farm managers are trying to protect the farm's base fertility to make sure it's as good when the tenant leaves as when they started. I understand this thinking, as we've seen a number of new farms come through CropTech here in the last two years that were really trashed, indicating nobody was managing the fertility. Applying removal rates is an easy way an easy approach um, to this issue, but it's not the best. Many people who employ this tactic assume that the soil test values are hard numbers that you can work with. For instance, if a soil test has um, a value of 46 pounds or 23 parts per million of phosphate and a 200 bushel crop removes 70 pounds, I only have to apply 24 pounds and the soil will give me 46 pounds. Well, if this was true, at the end of the year, your soil test would be zero for the next crop. Or the thought that if I apply 70 pounds, then my soil test will stay the same 46 pounds that we had in the beginning of the year because I replaced everything I removed. This too doesn't pan out in real field conditions. You know, as we've learned in school, for instance, if we went, if we want to raise uh, soil phosphorus levels, it takes about nine pounds of P2O5 to raise the soil test one pound, or 18 pounds to raise it one part per million. So, if this was true in this case, if a soil had 65 parts per million of P2O5, and we raised a 200 bushel corn crop that removes 70 pounds of P2O5 and we didn't apply any P205 to our uh, field, our soil test would come down basically about four parts per million. It'd be 61 parts per million. I can tell you 30 years in the business, it doesn't work that way either. Let's go back to the soil test. As we cover in our basics meeting, there are a number of different extractions and methods used in soil testing. Depending on where you farm and what lab you use, you could see a wide range of test values. If you believe 46 pounds means the same, uh, if you run a Malik test or a Bray test or an Olson or a Morgan test, you would be wrong. 
These tests will not come back with the same value and they were never meant to. These tests are indicators of how available your nutrients will be for the crop. A reading that is in the optimum range on one technique uh, may be in the low range on another. The soil test does not tell us the total amount that is in your soil. It's only a predictor of how much will become available for the crop in this season. Most Midwest soils have about 40 to 80,000 pounds of potassium in them. That's enough for 500 to 1,000 years of cropping in today's yields. So why are we applying potash and why doesn't all of this show up on our soil test? Well, for potash to become available the crop for the crop, it has to go through a weathering process. So think of it like a mountain that is weathering down. It's a slow process. Potash becoming available in the soil is a slow process. And while there's a lot of it out there, it's not all in the form the plant can use. Our soil test gives us an indication if we need to help supplement this process. When you have a Bray 1 soil test reading for phosphorus at 60 pounds or 30 parts per million, it's not telling you that you're going to get 60 pounds of P2O5 out of your soil. What it is telling you that when we uh, use a weak Bray acid and introduce it to your soil, this is how much phosphate will flush out. Most soils in the Midwest have between three to 5,000 pounds of phosphorus in them. Some of this is tied to other particles. Most of it is held in what we call the organic form. This organic form is converted by microbes into an inorganic form that your plant can use and back to an organic form on a constant basis. This inorganic form is what we call water-soluble P or ortho-P. A soil with a Bray 1 reading of 30 parts per million would supply a range of somewhere between 0.01 parts per million and 2 parts per million of ortho-P. Our tests show that we need about 1.5 part per million to keep a plant happy. So it only takes a small quantity in the soil solution to meet the needs, but it has to be there constantly. Think of phosphate availability like a drip IV running constantly. Because ortho-P is completely driven by microbes, it changes on the hour by the day. You are aware of this when you've got small corn out there and you hit a cold snap that turns pale and purple and the, that's a phosphor shortage because the soils cool down and in turn shut the microbes down. 24 hours after the soil warms up, this symptoms disappear because the phosphorus is available. Even with the soil test at 65 part per million Bray 1, we see good starter responses in cold springs because not much ortho-P is going to show up until the soil temperatures are above 65 degrees and stay there. So we can get a lot of growth from 50 degrees to 65 degrees in a cornfield. Getting back to the original question on applying removal as a minimum, we have farms that are at that 65 part per million range P1 and we've raised great crops over the last 15 years with little or no applied phosphorus, and they are still at 65 parts per million. What the 65 part per million on the soil test means is this soil doesn't need phosphorus. 
Once the soil is above 65 degrees, you're going to have more than you need. In other words, starter may be the only thing you need to get it to the point where phosphorus is available above 65 degrees. When you're soil testing every two years, if the soil test indicates movement over time, you apply accordingly. Applying removal rates are notorious for building P levels and creating low K levels. A 200 bushel corn crop only removes 50 pounds of K2O, but it takes up about 240 pounds of K2O to build that crop. So if you're applying 50 pounds and the soil is only supplying 100 pounds, you're probably going to have down corn. And you're going to keep having down corn until you fix it. Working with a grower the other day who has rented a piece of ground for over 20 years. His applications were higher than it needed to be, especially on phosphate, and his levels were nearing 65 parts per million. But his potash was lower than I'd like to see it. So we took his phosphate dollars and spent them on potash and limestone. His new lease says that he has to put on removal as a minimum. He can apply more, but he can't apply below the minimum. So in other words, continue applying phosphate to high phosphate soils. My first reaction is, don't they know that it was you who spent the the money on the phosphate and built these levels up over the last 20 years? I know some people believe fertilizer applied is like money in the bank. But high values like phosphorus also create high levels leaving through the tile. It becomes a pollution issue. After a few back and forth conversations, we were able to get the manager to agree to let us use the dollar amount for removal on potash, limestone, and other improvements on the farm. So bottom line, guys, use the soil test as a foundation for your fertility program. Don't read more into it, though, than it's telling you. Changing soil fertility is more like steering an aircraft carrier compared to a speedboat. CropTech, like always, will be closed next week so our employees can enjoy the holidays with their families. We here at CropTech wish you all the happiest of holidays. To stay up to date, check out our website at croptechinc.com and subscribe to our podcast, Boots in the Field Report. Keep her safe, keep her moving.